So hello and welcome to In For Black Archive end of season special. Sorry it's a little bit late. We, meaning I, screwed up and forgot to download the intro of our last recording. So it's a bit well late. Well done. So and here we are recording the same intro and I'm trying to remember what I said when when we did it uh, when, on the actual recording day. Don't worry. Uh, I'm Owen. I think it was... This is I think it was James. something along the lines of... Um, hello. I think it was something along the lines of... Um, you know, here we are in the in the throes of triple genocide, and how do we recover? Yeah, it just quickly because I'm not sure if we talk about this later on, but we might do. So let's just sum it up quickly. How do you think this season went? Look, uh, we've we've gone on as the days long in the episodes we've done on Flux about how we always expected that it was going to be a lot of questions with no real answers and no real payoff at the end. And that's exactly what we got. I'm not uh, surprised by Chris Chibnall anymore because we know what we're going to get. And the real issue is, is that there was no payoff, but we also didn't get described about why there's no payoff. So we're just kind of just so jerking. Yeah. It's like, it's like they've just all sat in a room and had, Oh, wouldn't this be a really cool idea? And they've thrown it all together without really thinking about the consequences of every, all those ideas. Like the division, for example, is the, is just, it's, it's simple but indescribable, which is a brilliant summation of some of the writing on this show. And then, of course, the universe doesn't get reset, and so it's only the Earth left, but they've already retconned that somehow while they were doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, there are good episodes, particularly the Angels one, but um, yeah, it struggles as a full story. So that's why we're here today, is to discuss which ones are the good ones, which ones are the bad ones, where I could companions thrive where they fail and that ending and to give out some fun awards yes so how that will all work will now be explained by past owen i don't like him nor do i right so as we alluded to there in our little introductory piece which is our specialty of the end of season what happened we are going to be giving away some little rewards to different things around this episode however to stop us going on for slightly too long which normally is what happens here and we go on for hours we're going to yes. be played out we're going to be played out by some music if we so, go on so what you're saying is we've got essentially the academy awards yes. doing us yes Ah, this is a great preparation for my inevitable win of an Academy Award for absolutely no reason. Oh, yes. Yes. Or, or us winning some sort of podcasting award. Well. <laughs> no. And pigs do fly. <laughs> yeah. What podcasting award would you reckon we would, would win if we had to win one? Like, like, for some reason, the world was held at gunpoint and says, well, you have to give them one. Best Doc 2 podcast award. Most realistic. Well, that would be nice. Yeah. I think it would just be two most annoying white people speak award. <laughs> right, so let's let's <laughs> let's get started then. So we've got loads of rewards. Some of them are slightly more joking than others, but let's 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 make a start on this. So our first one which we have is our best companion. I think this is fairly obvious, James. I I think it is to a level, but I want to hear what you say first, just to make sure. I put Dan. And I did as well. He's just the most fun to be around. And I'm sorry, Yaz, but you still feel like you don't really bring much. What I'll say about Dan is that his first three episodes were a lot better than his last three episodes. But I think 
that's the same for the entirety of this season. Uh, you say that, Village of Angels in the last three, but th- I think the issue with Dan is they spend the first two episodes setting him up, and it's all nice, but because they sort of feel like they've done it at that point, he becomes a bit of a passenger towards the A, passenger. Uh, so he just feels kind of like he's tacked on, especially when um, it becomes the Dan Yaz Jericho team. There's much less of Dan. He becomes more like a comic reliefy character. Yeah, I, I saw someone say on Twitter, I think it was Mr. Tardis, which Chipnall seems to be someone who loves storytelling. He loves telling for stories about how you started, how you got to middle and how you end. But he's just not very good at using for characters in there. No, because I think that's a big issue. Because if you think about it, the story has its problems, but it's all right. But then if you, as soon as you start looking at all the characters, essentially, they're just a bit hollow. I think Dan is less hollow than a lot of the Chibnall characters because he, he does have a sense of personality. He's one of the few where I think I could see him existing outside of the story. Yeah. Like, I, I know what he would do in his day. I know he, how he would buy things and he would which parks he'd go to and if he went for a walk or a run, those kinds of things that you don't think about. If you can start answering those, then the character has a life. So Dan's one of the better ones Chibnall's introduced, but once he's finished doing that, it's like they don't really make any further attempt to, to flesh them out more than what we get from the first two episodes, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah. Hmm. He's kind of like, he's like a victim of the ridiculous plot. Yeah. There's so much plot that we, they would just forget about him. Shall we move on? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. No play out. That was nice. All right. So if that's the best companion, uh, worst companion, uh, I would ask you, but I know it's Yaz. So is it Yaz? Well, we only have two choices here, don't we? It's not Strictly like... speaking, there is another companion, strictly speaking, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about technicalities. But it's Yaz. <laughs> yeah, I've, I think no. I think Yaz is the. It's only Dan and Yaz, technically, of all companion roles this time. Yeah, they're like the official ones. You do have the other ones like Jericho, um, Vinda, supposedly Carvanista, but technically, it's only Dan and Yaz. So we're kind of left with Yaz. Yeah. Well, let's well let's talk about Yaz then because it seems like the what they try to do with Yaz throughout this series revolves for me around two things. One, make her stand on her own two feet. Yeah. Which she sort of learns how to do, but then when the Doctor arrives, forgets. And then two, basically just be shipped with the Doctor for the sake of Twitter. Uh, f- the issue is, is that she does have her strong points. She does have her good points where she stands out as being good. Like, I know you don't disagree with this, but I liked the fact which Doctor and Yaz started to bicker. I liked when she started doing her policing in Villa of Angels. Yeah. But then outside of these key points, she just kind of blends in. Exactly. I'm totally on board with you. The moments where she's good are good. Yeah. She was always, I think, the best of what was admittedly not a very good bunch when when Chibnall arrived and Jodie arrived with with Brian and Graham, but wasn't terrible and sort of has moments like with the policing, which does come up well, and there's sort of bits of it in episode two and in some of the time flashbacks in three as well. So there's always little moments, but 
Yaz just feels like a character that's utterly dependent on the Doctor when the whole purpose of that arc for me was to try and make it seem like she wasn't. So it sort of seems really defeatist. Have you heard about Manny Gill saying what she would like to be in with the next team? Goodness, she wants to keep going? Yes. Uh, right, Russell, if you listen to this, you know what the rules are about new showrunners. Reboot, it's fine. I, I think it'd be quite interesting. I think it'd be quite fun. Because I this, mean, we... because yeah, as has gotten so tight and comfortable with this Doctor, I feel like if you pulled that away from her with a brand new Doctor and sort of like even for an episode or two, trying to get them to get get on, would mm. be such an interesting thing on screen compared to just getting new people in. The, the, my alternative argument to that is, I I think Yaz is already a contender for longest-serving companion in modern Who. She is. Without needing another series. If she had another series, she'd be clear ahead. Yeah, that's why I don't think she... I don't think she'd be able to be on for the entire thing, but I think a few episodes of that bickering and mm. that sort of, like, culture shock of being of a different person could prove to be an interesting concept to deal with. I think it is a good concept, but but yeah, if you if you give Yaz three and a half series, you're inevitably drawing comparisons to well, okay, Rose, who is brilliant, gets two, and then oh, we're getting the play out. This is nice. It's really interesting. And Clara got like two and a half, even though she wasn't sort of particularly liked. But yeah, it just feels like a long time. They can improve her, but I don't see the reason to just start a new. Yeah. Right. So as we start playing out, let's go on to our next option. So we have got the best setting you know later down when we get into the comedic ones this play out's going to become really annoying yes oh yes <laughs> it's going to be awful yes okay um what's your best setting owen I, th- I think we might have the same i think it's a fairly obvious one mm. it's got to be village of angels yeah village of angels village. in both time periods yeah they do really good world building for writer for that whose name i've completely forgotten uh, maxine alderton maxine alderton is really good at that sort of creepy and enclosed sort of feel with her episodes we saw it previously with the haunting of villa die darty whatever um similar sort of feel and it just feels really strong it's a real interesting twist to a traditional character much like we saw for cybermen in the haunting of villa die what I love about the setting mm-hmm. is that it's almost in the antithesis of what the problems are with Flux. Because the problems with Flux broadly are that it's unfocused and a bit jittery and you can't really stay in one place. The Village of Angels is the opposite of that. It's very focused. It puts you in the environment, builds the environment, creates the sense of mystery and then leaves you to stew in it. And it's very well constructed, unlike the other episodes. And Maxine Alderson's a hell of a writer. Um, and if Russell wasn't, there i would suggest maxine would be great to show run this yeah i hope she's kept in by russell just because oh, I, her, I think she will be yeah. her episodes which she has written have been standouts of both seasons which she's written for. exactly yes basically so far her record on who is pretty foolproof it's yeah. not a blemish yeah i love so many aspects of that setting i think there are so many nods to blink in the way the setting is used, because Blink kind of used that environment of sort of creepy houses and small towns and things. Yeah. Like that. But with the idea that there's two time periods when we're seeing the village in, a previous angel appearance, 
all these things happening, you get a real sense of the history of the place, and that adds to the effect of the world building so well. You feel like it was there for 66 years, and you've just happened to have arrived. It's really excellent writing. Right, so that's... Oh, sorry, that was your time to intro. intro. Uh, so the worst setting, um, the flip side of best setting... I've I've gone for one, Owen, that um, is maybe not the worst one, but it's definitely the one that's the most underwhelming, mm-hmm. considering the build-up it got, which is Division Headquarters. Yes. It, My goodness. <laughs> Division as a whole, it just hasn't... It, it's been hyped up to like this holy grail kind of position. And we got there, it's, about, it's just run by one old woman and a tree. And, and a nude. nude. My God, that's disappointing. It's cool that it's sort of outside of the universe, but we see that for one shot. Yeah. It's like a good shot, but that's it. And from there, you're just left with, like you say, essentially it's like being in an office from the 90s after the work's done. And you're like, why are you still here, Jerry? Are you working this much overtime? That's what Division feels like. Yeah. And like, I know which issues probably COVID-wise means they can't have loads of extras with running around and all that kind of stuff. But at least have something going on other than, Mm. yes, it's very nice visually. It's lovely to look at, but nothing's actually happening there. We've got no context behind what division is. For all we know, it's just this one old woman. But but just remember, it's it's so simple that it's so indescribable. Yes. And that's all you need to know. That is division. So I've just because I knew you were going to go down that sort of route, I put something different just so we have more to discuss. Okay, that's that fair enough. Yeah, division headquarters is just <laughs> most of the settings which we see in survivors of the flux with specific targeting on the wall of China scene. Utterly needed. Oh yes, this globe trotting stuff. Utterly needed. No need to it at all. Nothing gets built on it. It's all just hollow. It's nice surfacing to make the episode look more fancy. But that's it. Like, nothing they do have a wall of trying actually pays off. Yeah, nothing. what's really frustrating is that it's the payoff to essentially a joke of, I can't time travel. So, well done. We've, that was 20 minutes of the episode. It's, yeah, like, nothing in that setting. Like, there are good characters in there. I loved the... the for hermit who just wants gossip that's um, it was funny but then we don't learn anything else about him or anything else we go oh there's a village down there we don't see a bloody village yeah there's one scene with this with the 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 cool sherpa guy and then all of a sudden we're on this globe trotting and it's like chris jemple is desperately trying to parody indiana jones yes i'm thinking why are you parodying indiana jones how is that relevant to who anyway? Like, and if you're going to do it, at least make it narratively relevant. And the problem is, all you've got is sort of this romp, when in reality, Yazdan and Jericho have been disconnected from the Doctor, have no idea where they are in their own time, and have been for two years at that point. This should be sad. Instead, they're like, oh, look at us. Oh, there's a man coming in here. Oh, he's dead. Throw him in the sea. Yeah, and just nothing there is used... Nothing there is properly explored. I've just realised both our worst settings are both in the same episode because that's where the Doctor is for the entirety of it. Yes, she's stuck in Super Astir office block. So the survival of the Flux essentially has no setting. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. No setting at all. Have you ever imagined what a story would be like with no setting? It It just exists in nothing. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the music's telling us something, James. So, worst story end. Actually, I've got that mixed around, but I'm going to go over it anyway. Worst story yeah, end sponsored there. by the Sensorites. Was the administrator taken care of? Yes. Good. In which case, do you want to go first? Oh, absolutely. Um, what a surprise that I've gone with the ending of the entire thing. Um, uh, the, yeah. the exact same for me. I, I hinted at it in the introduction. The entire thing was just awful. I'm going to say this once so I don't have to say it again and to save Owen the time editing it and censoring it. This ending is fucking dreadful. I knew it was coming, so I thought, you know, just it's get on there. bad. It's all kinds of bad. We have destroyed the universe, but instead of having a reset button, which we thought we'd do, we've somehow created a contrivance that's even worse than the reset button and doesn't reset anything, and yet they act like they reset it anyway. Yeah, like, you either A, reset it, B, don't reset it, but show for fallout. You can't do mm. not resetting it, but also just acting like you've reset it. It's absolute have it, have your cake and eat it writing. It makes no sense. Everyone who watched that said the exact same thing. The universe, we know that the flux was centred on Earth, which means because the flux was stopped at Earth, everything in the universe other than Earth is gone, including the sun, for one, which doesn't help the Earth. I, I was speaking to my mum about this because, you know, she's a casual viewer. She said, yeah. oh, no. oh, yeah, no, I quite enjoyed that episode. It was quite good. But then I said On the to, surface, maybe. I said to her, right, okay. So what's happened to everywhere else aside from the Earth? She goes, oh, yeah. So everywhere's just destroyed. Yes, and they move on as if nothing. And then we have the Dalek in the New Year's special, which is exciting because of the genocide committed of the Daleks a mere five minutes before. Yeah, like, Cybermen and Daleks are all killed instantly. We know this happened, so why are we pretending it doesn't? It's just the entire thing. Just It's just an entire mess. We've got no payoff with any of the characters. We've got no hmm. payoff towards any of the plots. We've got no payoff towards the relationship between Dan and Di. We've got nothing oh, there. Oh, that is awful. The Dan and Di thing, I really want to mention this, is that the whole... We introduced Dan as liking Di. So surely that's your crux of the thing, is that Dan needs to become a better person... Yeah. Blah, 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 to get Di. And even though that's really retrograde for Di as a character, but we'll go with it. And like, then Di turns him down. I've seen people saying, oh, Di turned him down so he could go travel with the Doctor. None of that stuff is communicated with us. She just turns him down. Yeah, that's not that's not there. You're just reading into... And the thing that's amazing about that is that why the hell would Dan want to travel with the Doctor? What's happened to Dan in this story when you really think about it? His home has been miniaturised. He was taken out of his time period by angels. He had to survive for three years in the 1900s. Had no help from the Doctor anyway. Lost the woman he loved, essentially, for three years. And then by finally getting her back, she rejects him anyway. And then he's like, do you know what? Doctor for me. I kind of understand that because we get the feeling which he's had a very troubled and difficult life. So it does make sense which you want to go with the Doctor. But equally, as you say, like he spends almost three years away from his family and he's just like, oh, actually, that's a good way to think. His family, his family works with him. Why do we never see his family again? Yeah, why do we never see his family again? I forgot about them. They're lovely. They're wonderful characters. Like, why and they're just like, oh yeah, wasn't that nice and abandoned. 
why are they even his parents there? Because they never... It's just... Oh, look, he's our parents. Never mentioned again. But this, the whole of Fox is just like, oh, I've got this thought. Let's do this thought. Oh, what, you need to think of it again? Ah, don't worry, it's fine. Just just leave it there. Chris Chibnall is a hack. What's the best story end? We should probably call it there. I can feel... Feel the synth in my bones. <laughs> so, best story end, which one? I, I think... I think this one here, as always, is going to be relatively obvious for everyone. Okay. What do you think it is? Uh, what do you think you've put? I don't need to think about what I've put because I know what I've put. I put Village Okay, of what Ang- have you put? <laughs> Village of Angels. Yeah, as have I. Like that ending is just perfect. That cliffhanger is just intense. It uh, it brings so many questions about what's going to happen for the next episode. It made us think about how being an angel would affect the Doctor. It and now we were trying to work out how how she'd behave as an angel, and then it all got washed away for the next episode. Yes, I was going to say that we can't discuss how good of a cliffhanger it is without discussing how bad the follow up of it is. Oh, it's god awful. You could tell that Maxine Alderson did not have involvement in the follow-up. It was like, thanks, Maxine, for your work. Now we're back on the Chibnall train. What was that, Dr. Angel? Don't even worry. <laughs> it's sorted. Even Jericho, who's introduced as this really capable and interesting character the next time around, it just... Comic relief. Yeah. Yeah, but this this particular ending, it's just got it all, essentially. I don't know about what you put or how you feel. Oh, I put the Age of Cliffhanger as well. Uh, because it is the best ending of any story. There are other ones that I think suggest questions. I mean, the ending of episode one with the whole, oh, this actually is it then. Yeah, that one there was actually good as well. Is a decent cliffhanger. And they resolve it in a way that mm, it's a little bit contrived, but it kind of makes sense. Like, I'm happy that the TARDIS sort of does a vortex energy thing. You can use that. And they get spat out for the Sontaran episode. That path works. And I like the fact which in that Sontaran episode... The, doc, the TARDIS removes all of its doors. And that's yeah. a really interesting way of doing it. However, it has just reminded me of one point. Yes. Why was the TARDIS suddenly okay after this, that function of him, of the TARDIS being re- ill? Because it had to be for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You can say that a hundred times about this, about these six episodes, and you just have to, there is no other explanation. It's just the plot demands that this happens. Yeah. It... Writers listening to this, don't know why you would, but if you are, if you're writing a plot, don't write things to fit what you want. Write what you want to fit things. And with that advice, we move on to our next category. Yes. Uh, so this is the best screen category, um, which is just basically what is our favourite noise. There is a Wilhelm scream. In this, in Doctor Who Flux, I remember. I haven't put that, but there is one for you Wilhelm Scream enthusiasts out there. I couldn't think of a good scream. At all? No. Okay. I don't know. I, I do have one. I need to start, as we do do these, actually note down all the screams so I remember them, because otherwise I don't remember any of them. Same with Best Death. I can't remember Best yeah. Death. Yeah. My Best Death is kind of a cheap one, but but it works still. Uh, the, the, the scream I've got isn't necessarily a scream. It's more like a big whale. Yeah. Um, so, do you remember the bits of the Village of Angels that weren't as good when it was with Belle? Oh, yes. Yeah, and she and she meets um, the four-named man who's played by one of the in-betweeners. Yes. Who, actually, quick, quick tangent on that, and then I'll move on. Why are we giving these names with like four, four names? 
We've had so, a do rant you want me to remember them? We've had a rant about this before. They're not oh, good, are they? Still some bollocks. Uh, anyway, so meets that guy. The guy's like, oh, I'll take you down here. People are getting transported off this world. And it turns out it's Swarmazio with the passenger and they're putting people in the passenger. And when they do that, it's like a proper Moses biblical star thing going on. And like thousands of space universe refugees just start this great big, oh, it's almost like an almost orgasmic, oh, whale thing. <laughs> but is that a scream? It's not a scream necessarily, but it's like a sort of noise. And I liked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all I had. I don't, I, that doesn't count as a scream, though. That's not a you scream. You didn't have anything, so that doesn't count. I'm, I know. And I'm openly admitting that. I'm just going with this because it's sort of like a whale noise. Okay. So do whales scream? Uh, whales can scream. They just do it through sonar. So their noise is, is not a scream then. Well, but that's a, but that that sort of like a wider question of how you define a scream then. With like terror. Does it have to be? Does it have to be terror? Because you can scream in delight, can't you? Like you know, you yeah. have you have a sister. You know what that sounds like. Yeah, but also that's still not what you're describing, which is essentially just like this wailing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a. Good example. There are a couple of right. There was a scream in Once Upon Time that I remember. You remember when um we like first met Belle, and like there were those time particles just going around. Oh yeah, wrecking yep. people. There not, were a few screams. Not very well described. Those time particles were they? They never came back. No, they again. just sort of happened. But you see them at the end with the time, who is a person. Um, <laughs> yes. Not, not over that still. Um, <laughs> So presumably he controls them, or she, he or she, I suppose. Time doesn't have a gender, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Time's an it. Um, time does that, and there are some screams. Yes. Yeah, Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, I think so. This was a weak, <laughs> a weak conversation. <laughs> uh, yes, um, you should introduce this one. Um for best side character, I reckon we can probably say this at a count of three and both have the same one. Yes. Three, two, two one. One. Jericho. Carvanista. Oh. But I do say that, that it's either Carvanista or Jericho and they're pretty much tied. And I went Carvanista because I knew you'd go Jericho. So we haven't talked about it. I think Carvanista is good, but he's only good when he's with Dan. I see. I actually disagree because I think Carvanista is good in all aspects. Okay. I d- I'm not saying he's amazing in all aspects, but what I like about Carvanista is when we get that backstory in episode six, which is literally the only highlight of that episode. It really illuminates a lot of what he's done before, and if and if you go back through and think about a lot of sort of what Carvanista does, it gets this kind of new light to it and there's sort of a tragic element to the fact that he's just this sort of bitter northern dog bloke. Yeah, who who is physically limited in what he can say because otherwise he might die. Yes, it's that is a lot to, to weigh with. And obviously that's before you mentioned the stuff with Dan, which is admittedly brilliant. And I'm still re- still really annoyed that they didn't do more of that because it was so strong. Do you just think- another Yeah. Do you think they'll bring him back? I think it's set up to be like a good writer would bring him back. Is what I'll say. Could Russell bring him back? Yeah, I don't see why not. 
unless unless Russell sort of says, well, that's Chibnall's character. I don't want to touch him. But but if he wanted to, I don't see any reason why not. There's enough there. But it's kind of like because of the thing in his brain, it's almost a Donna Noble situation where if you bring him back, there's a lot of limits and you'd have to press the limits. Yeah. I I went Jericho just because yeah. I enjoy being in his company. He's lacking, yes, in the last two episodes, but I think. But that one episode, I think Jericho and Carvinista show the strengths of being serialized because you can mm. keep the characters going for more than one episode, rather than having oh here's a good character, but then instantly having to drop them for the next episode. Yeah, because we're on to the next place, which I think is a this has. I'm not going to say it's been very successful, but I think this is one of the most successful elements of it is the ability to keep your side characters going. As yeah, I'll of, give you that. Sort of like these pseudo-companions. I don't think that's a success on Chibnall's part because that's kind of inherent on no, having a serial structure anyway. I, I, I'm not saying it's a success on Chibnall's part. I'm saying it's a success with the serialised format. Yeah, give you that. I think Jericho, at least when written in Village of Angels, is phenomenally good. Yeah. He's equal parts funny... And daring and almost inspiring. And, and he kind of fits all of your bases all at once. He's just a brilliantly realised character. He, yeah, there's kind of a slide to comic relief. And then Chibnall kills him um, for no good reason, which is annoying. So we can't bring Jericho back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like Jericho. And that was one of the things that most annoyed me about the episode. Is it felt like they were just killing him because someone had to die. Like, it, like there wasn't really a justification for it. They just sort of said, ah, what the hell, he's old. Murder him. We don't like the old. It's a young generation now. Doctor Who is a young man's game. Murder. Murder most foul. We'll get on to more murder later, I promise you that. Right, speaking of murder, best death. Yes, speaking of murder, best death. Now, um... What did you go with? I couldn't... Aside from the unnamed characters who just die... Actually, no, I've thought of one. You've thought of one? Okay, what, what is it? Um, the Grand Serpent's first unit victim. Actually, no, potentially a second. Yeah, I think, I think the second one... Is that, the, is that sort of the big guy that, who gets in the car, isn't it? That's the big guy who goes in the car and goes, why is this car so hot, driver? And it just looks around and it's the Grand Serpent. Everyone goes, oh, no. Yeah, that's not... They did a really good job in that episode of making the Grand Serpent seem fearsome, and then in episode six gave absolutely no reason as to why. Yeah, like the entire... Which is really frustrating. Yeah, Grand Serpent is such an interesting, good character, but then no, we don't bother. There are so many elements of Flux where you think, oh, that's a good idea. It's a lot of good ideas, but they're just not followed up, or they're not executed well, or realised fully. That's why I'm convinced it is the covid shortening is the thing which screwed it yeah i i I mean it would make sense i i do want to find a reason that is outside of their control because the alternative is to say that well chibnall is completely at fault and i don't want to say christian was completely at fault for this and, and any of the things that go wrong but you do have to apportion some credit onto him for it yeah and one of the big issues with this is um, things that happen... Yeah, this is a segue to my best death, actually. One of the biggest issues with Flux in general is that we spend more time talking about things that happened than actually showing things that are happening. 
So, so it, who is, who's your best death? The entire Lupari race who got wiped out off screen. In a matter of seconds, essentially. Just like, oh, by the way, while you were off air, we've destroyed all of your people. <laughs> oh, God. It's... The company's just there like, oh, no, well, that's bad news. I swear revenge on you. The worst thing is, all they need to do was have the exact same person who plays Carvin Easter potentially wearing some different coloured cloth, pretending to fight Sontara and, and just intercut. Well, what you do if you're really clever is you get the makeup department to put three, two or three actors in that similar makeup with a couple of changes and shoot some inserts of Lupari's being in explosive fire. It would take yeah. five seconds. Yeah. It, and you've got and you've got the effect. Yeah, it it's not for best, is it? it? It's like just genocide in this in this um well in flux generally actually there's so much genocide. It's genocide is brushed over to the point where it's just like an offhand remark. Ah, we've killed the Lupari. And the maddest thing is the shields are still in place. So what that means is they've killed the Lupari without destroying their ships in any way. Yeah, which brings about why the hell do they need for Grand Serpent to um, break their shields? These The, the Sontarans, we're meant to believe, are powerful enough to destroy an entire race without blowing up any of their ships and making them perfectly operational. Yeah, but... What the f*** is... <laughs> But so how didn't you think about this? Where's the logic? But as the music plays us out, it's time to move on. So we've decided, because normally we've got Best Baddie next. Normally it's excluding the Daleks, but we've also decided for this season and this season alone to add in the Angels in our excluding list as well, just because they were some of the best. Yeah, the Angels are great. There's no question about that. Yeah. So, who's, so who have you put for your Best Baddie? I've actually, I have gone with the Grand Serpent. Cool. I've gone for two, and you'll understand why later. Two. Okay. I Yeah, I think I know where you're going with it. I've gone with Serpent because while it didn't get followed up massively in episode six, when you see him on his own doing his thing, he genuinely works. Yeah. That's why I've put down um, the Grand Serpent as one of mine and Swarm okay. as the other, because both of them, they're just so fun to be with on screen. They are just so evil and it's just such fun to just see them doing their thing. Yeah, they, they work well, especially when they're just sort of doing alone and being evil. It's got a nice feel to it. These are some classic Doctor Who villain scenes. They work in that sense, but they don't quite get explained. Um, question for you, Owen, yes. actually. If you've gone with Swarm, why don't you go with Azir as well? I don't feel like she does much. She just kind of tags along. Sort of. Um, but, you know, Azir's the one who explains the plan right at the end. She's like, well, actually, it's my plan all along. So maybe she's the she's like Lady Macbething. But she, she just reads out the script. <laughs> like, there's no, she, we don't see her do any of this stuff. She just tells the Doctor what's going on. Yeah, yeah, she's the messenger, like, isn't she? She, <laughs> she is very good in um, Once Upon Time, when or for previous one, um, where they're threatening Yaz and all that stuff. Like they are, yes, they are very good there. She is very good there, but it's just those two moments. Whereas Swarm is just constantly just this amazingly camp villain. Villain. The the delivery of his lines is always good. Yeah. It's got this weird cadence that, that does kind of get you on edge. It's like, and you hear it and you go, okay, he's a seriously Mess, weird guy. Messed up guy. Yeah. He's going to mess you up. 
Yeah, I completely get that. I think Swarm and Azure are broadly good, but, but similarly to the Grand Serpent, again, it's that the motivations for it just never truly become clear and never feel properly realised. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference between Swarm and Azure's plan and Tectaeon's plan? Apart from just, instead of moving to a new universe, we just don't. Yeah. Shall we move on then on to our worst baddie? Uh, yes, absolutely. I have a great segue. Let's talk about Tectaeon. Oh, no, I've got someone else. Oh, well, let's talk, let's talk about them first then, rather than Tectaeon. Uh, I've got Swarm and the Grand Serpent. Is this for the exact points we've just made? <laughs> yes. Because, Brilliant. Because they are, this is the annoying thing about them and why they're both the best and the worst. They are so amazing to be around. They are so well acted. Everything about them just oozes evil and it is just perfect. But then as soon as we go into their backstory, or for any reason about what they're doing, it's just not there. We've got no mm. reason to care about what they're doing. It's an issue. Yeah, that, that's why I went for both, because uh, technically filling up both spots with the same people. It does. It does kind of fill up both. And I fully agree with you, because it feels like a lot of... So many parts in Flux have this, like, this could work, and then they just never do. It's like the whole of the series is building you up to expect something is going to happen. But we we knew... I mean, I remember before episode six, we were chatting before we watched it, saying, we know this is going to be bad. We know it's not going to get followed through. Well, I mean, we didn't know quite how badly it wasn't going to be followed through. But it's become an expectation in this era of Doctor Who. Good ideas wasted and um, opportunities squandered all the time. No, and did, you end up with these mediocre stories. They didn't even go for the most obvious of just, oh, the Doctor pressed the reset button. Which would have been annoying, but it would have been okay. It, it would have worked. They find, they find new and ingenious ways to themselves in the foot yeah it just makes no sense anyway why have you gone for Tactaeon I've gone for Tactaeon because my god talk about a disappointment all all throughout yeah Tactaeon shows up in episode 3 in kind of a vision is mysterious says stuff about division nice cool she obviously has some answers in the end Doctor gets transported to division there's Tactaeon with the Ood Tactaeon rather than do anything sort of evil we get told that she's already done the evil thing and then she basically spends half an hour lecturing about what that means. And then once you think she might do something, Swarm arrives dead. Yeah, no. She, done. Goodbye. She is such a bad baddie, which I didn't even... I'm not really counting her as a baddie because she straight up doesn't <laughs> do anything. Yeah. I mean, she does... She did sort of kill trillions of people. So that's quite bad. Well, no, she didn't. The Division did. Bad. If Division's Which, controlled by... Oh, actually, to be fair, we don't even know if Division's controlled by Tech And There's that whole line in there about... I'm doing she's it now. Or something along those lines. It, yeah, that she's not fully in control of this. Yeah, it just... None of it makes any sense. It's just such a... You have the idea, oh, it's the Doctor's mother. And you're oh, now let's explore. Now let's explore what all of that means. Nope, killed. Yeah, it... Yeah. So talk about talk about squandered opportunities. Like there is a perfect example. You have a you have an interesting story right there. Talking about squandered um, expectations. What is our expectation failure for this season? Uh, my expectation failure was that I could just hear the first whispers of the play out music, but I didn't get to sort of really hear it hit me. That was unfortunate. Yeah, no, I I, I deliberately timed that. 
That was, that was nice. It <laughs> was nice not to hear the synth pulsate. Um, what's your expectation failure, Owen? Because there are a few. The entire series. That's fair enough. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where do you want to start? Right. So, Chris Chimnall is supposedly good at serialization things. What the hell happened yes. there? Um, it's got the most... <laughs> All the bad guys, they turn up and then they just kind of go again and then we have um me turning down volume on my microphone and, and then we have have the ending which they couldn't even get the most basic things right and then we have um the doctor and yaz nothing happens there we've got dan who as we were saying earlier is good for the first half but then nothing happens like nothing like everything is ramped up even at the last episode where they go they, they're somehow i was saying somehow somehow the first half will be good they'll just screw up for payoff no, they couldn't even bother doing that. That's, yeah, fair. Like the entire thing, we were all, even for cliffhangers, Christian was meant to be the best at cliffhangers, but he couldn't even do a good cliffhanger half the time. The only good cliffhanger we had was down to someone else. Yes, and it wasn't followed up by Chibnall. Yeah, like the entire season was just me having good expectations. Like the only thing which paid off expectation-wise was... was um, Dan as a character. He was a good character. That's the only thing I expected to happen, which actually happened. You see, the problem I have with that is that that implies, because I didn't have any expectations. <laughs> so the fact it's failed, it doesn't fail my expectations because I sort of knew it. this is exactly what would happen. There'd be a lot of good ideas and we'd throw stuff at the wall here and there, but then it would all collapse in on itself. That's exactly what it did. The problem, the big, big problems are too many narrative threads that were too jumbled and a lot of stuff that was totally irrelevant. Like, um, Vinder and Bell. Vinder and Bell, there's no need for them to be in the story at all. No. The, their narrative is not important to the to the story. Yeah. It's a totally disparate thing. I mean, Bell's into intercuts. If they're, if they're not there, The Village of Angels is an entirely focused episode and that's damn near a masterpiece. Yeah. Like, like it actively makes the best episode worse. Like, there's nothing no reason for them to be in here and if they felt like they needed that extra character to show us the world building then just have vinda doing it yeah i mean vinda would count as an expectation failure certainly yeah it's, it has it's to, not the one i've gone with but it's one worth mentioning let's just add him to my basket yeah the great big basket of you've gone to the great big uh, script writing tesco and you've picked up moldy bananas moldy everything Bread that's off, milk that's turned into cheese. We're, we're about to be played out, so James, what's your expectation failure? Uh, mine's The Division, uh, mainly because it's so simple and so indescribable, and yet we're not really told anything about it other than, look, it's big. Yep, that's just one to add in my basket. So It's just total ass again. There's the play out. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hit me. So I think we're both going to say the same thing for our next... I realise I've just been say, doing all three category naming, so you can do the next bit. Um, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. Um, the worst thing the Doctor did. You've mentioned it already. Oh. It's the <laughs> fact that she allowed like entire races to die. I mean, there's a, there's a great big raffle, like a hat, and you can pull out any sort of raffle ticket from there. And you think, oh, yes, because there are quite a few things. There's a lot of cringy things the Doctor did as well. Yeah. Like, sort of say that she would make out with herself. Which, surprisingly, was on your bingo card. And I said, no, this won't happen. That'll be a stupid idea. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, the question of whether we claim it or not, we'll talk about later. But the worst thing the Doctor did, as you've said, and I really want to really underline this, listeners, 
Was she allowed triple genocide to happen? Was like, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, so, yeah. And let's move on to the Let's Retcon this now, because I think we talked about the last thing enough previously. So so what what are we retconning now? Um, um, Doctor Who since 2018? That's not my actual answer, but I wouldn't mind. I've just put down this entire season because it had so much to do, but then you couldn't be bothered. Like it, it had to convince us which time as children was a worthwhile plot point. It couldn't, didn't even bother trying. Sort of half, it broached it, and then the Doctor was like, I don't want the memories. Which works, but actually, yeah, I want to say this. Her rejecting the memories isn't a bad thing narratively. But... You can't ramp up an entire season of all oh, the Doctor's trying to work out who she is, mm. trying to work out who she is. For, for it just decides not to. Yeah, for viewers are at this point wanting to know what's going on here, and then not give them that. It's not wrong, but it is, it's anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what I said, it's slightly more specific, although it's not really, I suppose, because it's just the universe being absolutely annihilated, including everything other than the Earth. <laughs> so essentially, it's a vision. It's, un- it's, want- it's indescribable, but... Yes, gonna- but it's so simple. Yeah. So fucking simple, you can do anything you want with it. Although, then again, is that worth retconning? Because Chris Jimble had done it while he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> retconning his own thing while he was doing it. it was like oh don't worry we'll fix this in post or something ah universe is gone don't worry universe is back here's ailing b did you remember what happened in the last two months no happy new year true should we rank our episodes yeah let's <laughs> this freaking series right do you want to start from the bottom uh yes what do you have at six survivors of the flux Wait, you think that's worse than the Vanquishers? Yes. What? <laughs> right. I knew you were going to be annoyed by this, so that's why I chose it. Right. Give me this. Give Answer me this. Answer me this okay. question. Answer me yeah, this question. Fully. I will answer you this question. What pays off in this episode, which has any effect anywhere? We, um... <sighs> Okay, what pays off in episode six? Nothing. Like we're never great. We're never like <laughs> look at what. So how is that worse? Because it's the penultimate episode. It's meant to be ramping us up to that last finale. Nothing happens in there which matters. We've got um, as for the Grand Serpent's person going to try to kill Yaz, Dan, and Jericho. Nothing comes out of that. We're going to. We're looking for a date which we don't need because we already know when the world ends. It's mentioned in the first episode. It's on Halloween, but no, we're changing that now. Um, which which we need to go around the entire world to look for. We're not given any reasons about how they afford this, anything like those signs. We just do it. Um, we go to the Great Wall of China to leave a message. We don't need to leave that message because it doesn't do anything. Um, so we then go off to Liverpool. Try to find the tunnels. We find the tunnels. <laughs> Nothing in this episode needs to exist. There's not, we've got the, there's not a lot of we've, obstacles. We've, we've got the whole unit plot. As we were discussing earlier, the Grand Serpent didn't need to, any, to do anything. He's not even utilised properly in the final episode. Like There's nothing in Survival Flux which actually has any consequence, which is why it's the last episode for me. I mean, fair enough. 
Like it's very impassioned. I, I enjoyed the delivery of the argument. Thank you. It's still the vanquishers, but but it, but like it was a good argument. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it. Like the only reason why it's it's not vanquished is because for survivors of a flood, it's from an after episode. We're supposed to be ramping up tension. It does nothing. Okay, I'm I'm going to spend thirty seconds explaining, um, as as best as I can. Why the Vanquishers is is worse? Um, where where do I start? Uh, if the penultimate episode is meant to ramp stuff up, the ending episode is meant to actually finish stuff, which it doesn't. Um, there is an astonishing lack of payoff. There is triple genocide for a, for no real reason, which is entirely preventable if you just think about what the narrative is. The universe is entirely destroyed with no reset button, and then retconned anyway. Every character makes ridiculous decisions. There are characters that know things in, about the plot that they can't know because they weren't there when the things were revealed in the scene. Like, this is basic stuff. Like we, we just assume that because an audience member knows something that every character now knows it. Like, what the fuck is that? How, how is this BBC One on a Sunday night? It's BBC One and we've got writers who don't know how limited perspective works. It's like the basic, so basic. Uh, yeah, that's the fact. I mean, I could go on and on and on, and I won't. But that episode's bad. And Survivor's Flux is bad, but that's bad. And the synth is bad. Yeah, so there you go. That's, that's our um, sixth place for this season. Yeah, I'm guessing fifth is just going to be the flip of the two. Right? I, I, I've, I've put once upon a time. Once upon a time. What the f- <laughs> I, have, I, have, I haven't, I haven't. Triple Okay, I, haven't, thank God. I, I was winding. I was pulling your leg. <laughs> I was thinking for a second. I was going to have serious words with you when we got off. No, I was pulling your leg. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, obviously mine's. Um, so I was like, it's second last. You could probably flip them. Yeah, but they all got their own major problems to a point which, honestly, initially I was trying to work out whether I should just have them drawing for last place. Should, should we actually, yeah, should we agree that, that they're draws for both of us? Because they are both terrible. Yeah, they are both bad. Yeah, cool. Like, we'll call that draws. You are you are bottom of the barrel. Well done. Yeah. Let's hear it for the bottom. The last two of this season were fucking pointless. Yes, they were really not good. Uh, so beyond that, to be fair, I think the next two episodes are sort of fairly average, but just a bit jumbled. Um. So... What have you put for four? Uh, I've got Once Upon Time at four. So do I. Yeah. Purely because it's a confusing mess and doesn't really know what it's doing. Well, there's like, there's about five plot threads going through. I remember when we were doing the reaction podcast for it and it took a while just to think about how to describe it because there was no clear through line. And honestly, after a few months, nearly a month now, still can't work it out. No, and, and, it, and it gets more frustrating when you think about it in retrospect, where you think that we spent half the time building up Vinder's backstory, which was basically irrelevant other than to introduce the Grand Serpent. Which essentially gets reintroduced anyway. Yeah, because, and who didn't really need to be there anyway. Because none of his backstory is actually used within the last two episodes. It, yeah, it's just there so we can learn about a character. There's the Bell stuff, which obviously has the same problem. Um, and then what, what other strands do you have? Because you've got Yaz and Dan doing their thing. You've got the Doctor strand, which is actually quite interesting. 
Um, yeah, true. The Doctor Strand. Then you've got Dan and Yaz, who just kind of there. Uh, Yaz does stuff. Dan gets flung around agree? time. Yes, he does, doesn't it? But don't you agree that um, a lot of why we thought at the time the episode was okay because it sort of set things up, in retrospect, now it's kind of just, it traded on intrigue without actually traded on being any good? Yeah, no, I've straight up always said it's being a bit, it was a crap because it's just making confusion for the sake of making confusion. Now, there's no reason for it to be that confusing. Or for yeah, it to- it's trying to give you these red herrings and, and throw you each way, which way. Uh, so in the end, it doesn't really work. But it's not as bad as the ones below it. No, like the only reason it pays off is because of that Doctor Swarm backstory. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else in there is even remotely interesting. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your episode three? Oh, sorry, what's your third episode, I should probably say? I have put for Halloween Apocalypse. As have I, actually. I have put it higher than all of the other ones, purely because it had a goal to introduce us to everything, and it did so. I don't think it did it amazingly. I don't think it was the best introduction to anything, but it did its job, which is not what I can yeah. say about any of the episodes below this point. Yeah, this episode was the the, the the dictionary definition of fine. Like, it was fine. Yeah. It, it sets up the characters. It sort of puts people in place, introduces the flux. You, you meet Dan and you realise that he's quite likeable and Dan's good in that episode and... Yeah, you set everything up. Like I, I remember saying that it was Chibnall putting his chess pieces in motion and kind of setting the board up, and it and it does work in its yeah. own episode. Of course, what happens after? Yeah, I think, but it's all right. I think it's a terrible way to introduce things, but it's, it's very jumbled. It still managed to do that, which compared to the Vanquishers, which failed to end the season, mm. or survives with. Of, of the flux which just failed to use its runtime to do anything useful or once upon a time who just confused the f- out of everyone for no apparent reason like at least it managed to achieve its goal of introducing us to the main concepts it was also the beginning of where in the world is joseph williamson which was a personal favorite subplot of mine throughout the series <laughs> who also wasn't used very well at all yeah the tunnels were there to stop an invasion they didn't do anything no one went in there yeah, like arguably they used to help an invasion which was instantly stopped. <laughs> Why is he there? Shall we move on to um, episode two? Because we're running into the hour point at this now. Yeah, well, it's end of season. What happened? These things, well, happened. Happen. Yeah. Uh, my second place, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to put much attention to it because you all know what it is. It's War of the Sontarans. Yep. The only reason why it isn't out of the top is because Village of Angels is just better. Um, I still yeah. enjoyed it. The ending was a little bit weak. Um, but other than that, I enjoyed it. It's a pretty solid episode. Um, big fan of the Sontarans being brought back. I do like the new design now. I, I actually think it's. I've warmed to it. I think it works. I wanted to ride a horse is probably the best line of the whole series. Yep. Sontar- he had to pick one in terms of meme. Sontarans, not as a baddie, but as just a character is a standout in this season. I love their characterization. Yeah, ending is still ludicrous, but you can forgive some things. I liked Mary Seacole in that. Um, there was that sort of dickhead general as well. He was sort of like, he was kind of smarmy in the way you want like an old British general to be. It worked, and separating the Doctor off from the Companions, which is kind of the whole raison d'etre of the whole series, but whatever, does work in this episode. Yeah. 
And then while Yaz and Dan are doing their things. And then Village of Angels, of course, is number one. Yeah, no question. It's by far the best episode. It's probably the best episode of the Chibnall era. It's so weird that this this series, which is kind of a bit of a mess, does have probably the best episode in years inside it's, it. It's honestly probably one of the best New Who ones. Honestly, yeah, it's it's freakish how it exists. It's kind of like a little minor miracle. Yeah. So I'm not going to go super into our bingo cards because essentially we don't have that much time left. So I'll put up for ones which has all our crosses through. So essentially, none of us got a line, so none of us won. But mm. how many points did you get? That's a good question, because it depends on whether we're saying the Doctor's sort of implying she would make out with herself as being making out. No, because she didn't make out with herself. Please give that to me. The fact that I made that call and it darn nearly went off. The key word there being nearly mate came off. Fine. Half point. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got... Uh, I'm going to count them now. One, two, three, and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> three and a half. So which which three did you get? Which three did you predict? What were your predictions uh, which came off? Okay, so Dan uh, saying he's from Liverpool, which he did a lot. Um, became a joke within the episode itself at one point. Yes, it did. Uh, character without name introduced then instantly dies again. That happened a lot. And the Sontar and Potato joke got brought up. I still think over-emotional synth because sad happened at one point. I just forgot to look. But I won't claim it. But yeah, I... Honestly, I think the music this season was one of its high points. There was some nice music in there. It was better than what felt like just this really bad reusing of tracks in the last two series where it felt like they were just playing by numbers. Yeah. But yeah, there's some nice stuff. And obviously the half is two Doctors Make Out. Um, I've got one question for you with mine. There's only one thing which I'm questioning. Are yeah, because I know you beat me. <laughs> are we saying it's based around the time as children? Because I would argue Tacteon is doing this entire thing because the Doctor is a the timeless child and she wants to stop her. Do you know Do you know what? I'll, I'll, I will say yes. Yeah, I'll say yes. In which case, I've got nine. All right, then. Um, do you want me to go through? You? Yeah, go on, then. So, Jay Martin returns. That is one. Joseph Williamson's tunnels are used for an invasion. It was instantly failed, but it was still used. It was used. For Daleks will cameo. Yes. The, the side men will be overshadowed. They definitely were. It was based around the time as children. Yep. Yeah. Unit is brought back. It was, sort of. We make several sensor right references. We did. <laughs> and we still will. Dan doesn't say it's bigger on the inside. No, it doesn't. So it's eight. Unless... We're saying future doctors from an alternative universe because the doctors from the alternative universe. Are we saying the doctors from the alternative universe though? Because that was sort of implied. Take Team, I think, was just kind of using yeah. that as bait. I'm not sure whether that was officially that. Yeah. Okay. So I get eight. I'll give you a half point for it. Like if, no, if I can have a half point on Doctor Snake, I, 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 I won't get a half point on that because I'm fair. All right then. So it's still eight to three and a half. It's a fairly significant victory yeah so i predicted for most things sadly however i didn't predict about how much of an expectation failure it would be so let's bring an end to this random rambling mess with a with a final final statement with a score out of 10 for this season uh it's difficult because there are there are so many episodes that definitely aren't worth the score i'm gonna give but it's because the last two episodes are so bad that it brings the whole thing down with it crashing yeah 
It's a three out of ten for me for Doctor Who Flux. I even with Village of Angels, just shows you how bad the other some of the episodes are. I'm going to say four purely because Village of Angels and War of the Santorans do art for tent poles sticking up a little bit. Sounds like a euphemism now I think about it, but but yeah, I, I'll go with it. Yeah, that that I don't think it justifies anything above a five. Because no. the entirety of the plot of this supposedly biggest adventure yet just never came true. No, it didn't. And also the universe has been destroyed, but also retconned. Yeah. So, yeah. If you've enjoyed listening to us rant about Flux for the last couple of months, or, or you want to hear us talk about Classic Who, which we'll be getting back to fully uh, in the new year... Um, Get in touch with us on Twitter at Black Archive Pod if you fancy uh, saying anything about Flux, or you can email us with your thoughts. BlackArchivePod at gmail.com is the address you want to send stuff to. So, yeah, so we've got lots coming up over Chris as we go in for Christmas period and after it, as I fail to bring up our schedule. Um, so, <laughs> which has a lovely animation now. Yeah. Um, so, coming up next week, we have got our review of the. Ga- of Galaxy 4. We recorded it a few weeks ago, so there's a few odd references in there, but it's coming out. And then we'll have... Yes. <laughs> then we'll have our Christmas special where we'll be looking at the Christmas invasion. We're not... Sort of old New Who. And then we... Yes. It's semi-serious. <laughs> yeah. And then we have got our Eve of the Daleks for New Year's special on the 1st of the 1st. No, it won't be the first of the first because we still need to make it. So it'll be the second of the first. <laughs> yes, we we have to we have to actually make the, the reaction on the first. Yeah. So so that will come out on the second of of January, and straight after that, the next day, we have got the Tomb of the Cybermen. Aren't you lucky? It's a Black Archive weekend to kickstart the year. It's like um. Depending on how it's almost I, like a punishment. Depending on how I feel, that might change to the tenth. Um, spoiler: it has changed to the tenth. And afterwards, we'll be with the Ice Warriors as we continue our path down Patrick Troughton's era. Uh, yes, and we get to see more of Jamie. If you haven't met Jamie before, go and listen to some of the episodes we've done. He is now that's a companion, listeners. Yeah. So we'll be back next week with Galaxy Four. We're going back to William Hartnell, and until then, have a good week. Thanks very much for listening to us do all this fuck stuff and we'll see you on the other side. Goodbye. Bye.